This is why there's such a gap. This is why there's tension here. Is because I never thought to ask, what was this like for you growing up? Have you asked your parents about it? Are you talking to them about it at all? And what else, culturally or gap-wise, are you angry or confused about of how your family operates that you haven't asked about? Because if you find yourself getting frustrated, I highly encourage you to ask what it was like when they were growing up or where they were growing up or both and see if that isn't something, some context you needed to get you to a better place in your relationship and heal that relationship with your family. Heyo, welcome to the Asian Detox Podcast, the podcast where we boldly reclaim Asian American prosperity. We have relatable conversations about how being Asian American shows up in our day-to-day lives, how money is deeply embedded in our culture, and how you can choose to define your own version of success in a world that tries to tell us how to be. I'm your host, TJ Wei, your hashtag very Asian, non-binary, gluten and dairy-free money habits coach, and I want you to know that you don't have to live in the boxes other people put you in. You can design your abundant life in a way that honors your heritage, while enjoying a life of ease and alignment. And you can do it while making money and building generational wealth. They don't have estate plans in Taiwan. That's where my parents grew up. My parents are retired, but they don't have a will or trust or any kind of estate plan, which can include things like a living will, a financial power of attorney, things that you might need if you were comatose in the hospital or deemed incompetent for whatever reason by a court so that somebody else can take over your affairs, possibly temporarily, while you get yourself back together. And my parents don't have any of it, which I find really weird because ever since I was a kid, my mom would threaten to disown me or my brother and remove us from her will if we pissed her off. That was like one of those common refrains that We would get disinherited or disowned and it always came with a mental image of her like going back to her documents and writing us out of the will. So that was my impression growing up that my parents had it figured out, that they had the whole estate planning thing covered. As I got older though, I started asking questions. I was starting to get my own estate plan documents together And I sent them to my parents so that they'd have a copy if something ever happened to me because they're my financial power of attorney. And I had this thought of like, well, if I'm sending them a copy, and this is recently after my high school sweetheart, his family had actually also like told him and his sister like where the documents were and who to go to, like who their financial planner was and stuff because they were going on a trip that was potentially dangerous uh, back to Indonesia during the earthquakes. So I had this thought, well, wait, do I know where my parents' estate plans are? I had never laid eyes on them. I knew they had a fireproof safe for important documents. And I knew where that was when I was growing up in the house that like, I grew up in, that my childhood home. But they moved while I was in college and I wasn't there when all the things got moved. So I actually don't know where the safe is in my parents' current house or how to get into it, even if like the house burned down and it like survived the fire, right? I still wouldn't know how to get into it. So that had me thinking like, okay, let me ask. Hey guys, here's my estate plan. Where is yours? And I learned that they didn't actually have one. 
Like, seriously, guys, it was all a lie. My mom was threatening me and my brother with being disinherited, which like at this point, you're like, well, usually you inherit from like your grandparents because like by the time your parents pass away, you're either like fully established or you're close to retirement the way my parents are. Like my grandmother's still alive, but they're retired and they're taking care of her anyway. The inheritance part isn't a big factor as an adult, but as a kid, it was like, you know, we didn't know anything about money or like how we were going to survive and things like that after we became adults. So, or, you know, if our parents passed away before that even. So that was a scary threat back then. But come to find out, it was all a lie. They didn't even have a will. And this is where we can get a little bit technical and I'm not an estate lawyer or any kind of lawyer or tax planner. So I just want to give a quick overview just so that you have context. But there's this thing called probate. And when you die, what probate is for is so that all of your assets get frozen and the court has to decide who's in charge of paying off your debts, liquidating anything that needs to be liquidated. And if there's anything left over, facilitating that transfer of wealth if there is something to transfer. And that's a whole process that can take over a year to get through because you have to like get a hold of, like you have to go to the court in your state and say, here's the death certificate for this person. I am the like rightful heir, whatever it is, especially if there's no will and prove to them that you are the correct person to do it. And you're Assets can be locked up for a good long while as it all get works out because again, you're going through the legal system. That's all paperwork. And of course, when we're grieving, we're generally not in a place where we're primed to do paperwork. <laughs> so the process of grieving typically also delays it as well. Or you might hire an estate attorney. And in California, where my parents are, the fees for estate attorneys can be up to 5% of the value of the estate and not even just the value of the estate, but like the total assets in the estate and they don't subtract the liabilities. So even if there's a lot of debt or there's a mortgage on the house, or even if the house is underwater, doesn't matter. You owe that estate attorney 5% of whatever the assets are. So if it was property and some cash and some stocks, uh, never mind if there was any like major credit card debt, you have owe 5% of what was on the positive side of that balance sheet. So it can be a pain to deal with probate and even a will won't actually avoid probate. A will just says that like, is a guideline for where assets should go, but you still need to go to the court and through probate to be given the the right to execute that will. And that's why most people hire estate attorneys to do all that paperwork, especially while they are grieving because they don't want to deal with it. So then it, it incurs a fee there in addition to the fact that you can't get a hold of things. And I even asked um, this estate attorney I was talking to, I was like, well, my brother lives with my parents in California. Like if they passed and he, like he has nowhere else to go. And she's like, oh, well, we would write like a right of occupancy in there. And I was like, wait, so that just means that like, if my parents died without this documentation, my brother wouldn't technically be allowed to live in that house. Of course, I don't know who's going to stop him, right? Like, are the police going to come through and pull him out of the house? I kind of doubt that. But this was a whole thing in my head of like, oh, there's so many of these things that I don't know about. So when I learned that my parents didn't actually have a will, much less a trust that would actually be the documents that would allow you to skip the probate process altogether. So if there's a trust, then 
you would move the assets under the trust and you wouldn't have to go through probate unless there was stuff that didn't get transferred under the trust and your will wasn't a pour over will, which is to say that if anything wasn't in the trust, a pour over will is to transfer stuff that hadn't been put under the trust directly into the trust. So that would alleviate most of the need to go to probate or it would be at least easier even if you had to. But learning all of this, like I learned this stuff while I was writing my own will. And then I asked my parents and they didn't have it. So I started like this half-hearted journey to start prompting them to get their own affairs in order. Because even though I'm the the younger sibling, I'm also the more responsible, especially fiscally. So I know for a fact that when my parents pass away, I'm going to be the one that has to deal with the estate that does all the paperwork and goes through court if my parents don't have their estate in order. So I started prodding my parents here and there. Like I go home and visit and be like, hey, about that thing, like what's going on here? And they're very, they're both homebodies is how I describe it. Like with the pandemic and quarantine and not getting to leave the house, they were like, oh, this is perfectly fine. We don't care. Like they're retired. They don't have any need to leave the house for work and they're totally fine never going to a restaurant again. So the idea like this and this is like some introverted stuff and also some like language barrier things and just not having the aptitude to feel comfortable going to a professional. The idea of going to find an estate attorney is intimidating to them. And I know this for a fact because they also don't have like a tax account. They said that they hired a tax accountant a couple of times when they started renting their first house out as their first rental property uh, and getting that income in that way. And then they saw what that tax attorney did and then just copied it going forward when they did it manually. And then TurboTax was a thing and they used that know-how to get them through the rest of their life, which I'm, I'm imagining like 40 years of this. And like to me, that's mind-blowing. But that's how badly they don't want to go to a professional is that they wouldn't do it for taxes. And then like their their finances totally justify going to a professional for taxes and they don't. And it's not like they can't afford it either. So with that knowledge, I knew that getting them in front of a, a tax attorney was going to be difficult. So I've only been half-heartedly pushing them here and there about it, asking them to do it or mentioning it when I update my documents and things like that. But recently I had a client come to me and say that, hey, like my dad's very concerned that he doesn't want like when he passes for there to be a lot of inheritance tax or anything. He wants to make sure I get the most out of it. So I started doing some research to make sure I had enough to mentor them through that process because although I'm not an estate attorney, I wanted to make sure I had gave them the resources that they needed to know and the questions that they needed to ask of their attorney in order to have everything optimized as best they could. So I pulled out my books and I'll give credit to Mark Kohler, the tax and legal playbook. And that's Mark Kohler's with Kohler spelled as K-O-H-L-E-R. And he's got a lot of great YouTube videos and a podcast of his own with his partner, his business partner, talking about all these things, including small business or rather especially small business, but estate planning goes into your financial planning and your tax planning as well. So I pulled out that book and I looked into it and I had the notes of like how much my my client's dad had. And I was like, okay, well, she's probably okay with just a normal trust, especially with her dad and mom being separated or divorced rather. So 
that was like, that was good enough for her. But then I was reading through and I was like, okay, but there's this inheritance limit of like, if your net worth is a certain amount or your assets are over like, I want to say it was 12 or 13,000 per person, then taxes started applying. And there's a thing for spouses that are married couples called an AB pass-through trust, which means that if one of them were to die first, legally that your assets typically go to your spouse directly after your death. So there's, depending on the state you're in, that's typically what happens in America is that your, your assets all go to your spouse, which means that if they don't die at the same time, what happens is that suddenly they're like all of the assets are owned by one person and you hit that limit, like the income taxes start kicking in and things like that. So you are more likely to incur like just a headache even, never mind the fact that the, the like estate will be less because at those numbers, like, okay, fair enough. Like you're taxing on something that's pretty high value, whatever, but there's still paperwork that has to go into it. You have to file a final tax return and all of these things. So there's this thing called an AB pass-through trust that makes it so that even if your parents don't pass at the same time, that because you have this in place, that you don't have to go through as many hoops to handle like the taxes and the inheritance. And I don't have all the details of exactly what happens. All I know is that my parents are worth more than that threshold. They live in California. They own two properties, completely paid off. And my mom is still day trading stocks and their wealth is only growing and they're only in their 60s. So they've still got 30 years left in their lifespan at least because my grandmother just turned 90. So they've got 30 more years to continue to build wealth in the stock market and their property values are going to go up and things like that. So I know for a fact that when my parents pass, assuming that no tragic accident happens in the near future, that this is going to be something that applies to us. So I saw this and I was like, ah, damn it, this is a headache that I don't want to have. Like, not only do they not have a will or a trust that I'm going to have to go through probate, but now there's this thing about like the levels of taxation that's going to happen and like having to file their tax returns and stuff is going to be even messier and things like that. So I called them and I was like, hey guys, like you guys make too much money. Like, guess what? Like, congratulations, you're still getting taxed at the top of the tax bracket. You make too much money. Don't leave this stupid headache to me because I recently had this conversation with a friend too of like, my brother needs a new car. And I was sitting here originally thinking, oh, I'll just sell him my car and get a new car. But that was before like the the pandemic hit and all of the used car values went up super high and like the, the market is insane for used cars. So... Here I was sitting here like trying to solve for that. And my friend was like, wait, why are you trying to solve for that? Don't your parents have money? And I was like, you know, you're right. It's not my problem. Um, they have more than enough because I had seen their their um, investment account. I was like, they have the money. They could have bought my house like 12 times over, I swear. So like it wasn't my problem. So I was trying to draw that boundary. And because originally, even with the estate planning, I had a similar thought of like, well, maybe I'll just pay for the estate planner so that they don't whine at me about how expensive it is and force them to do it uh, and sit them down and be like, I paid for it. It's already paid for. And they're very much like, oh, if it's already paid for, then they'll feel guilty and they'll do it. And that's how I actually convinced my dad to take my mom out for dinner is by buying them gift cards to fancy restaurants for their anniversary and for birthdays and stuff. I send them these gift cards and my dad's like, well, the money's already spent, so I guess we'll go. But otherwise, like they wouldn't go on dates. So... 
Uh, it would be the same principle if I paid for the estate planner and sent them to it. But recently realizing how much they do have in net worth, it was like, wait, no, they can afford it. They can pay for it themselves. This shouldn't be a barrier. Like they can whine all they want. It's just an excuse. As a first-generation Asian American, I grew up trying to fit into the boxes other people put me in. I considered acting, voice acting, and writing as career options when I was little, but ended up joining corporate America as an IT project manager to take the Asian parent-approved path. The good news is, it's not too late for me to follow those more creative goals, but I didn't have the energy to work both my corporate job and follow those passions. And I couldn't shake the cultural directive to be financially stable so that my parents wouldn't have to worry about me. It's so ingrained in me that it's difficult to focus on more creative pursuits or what might be considered passion projects without the financial backing to support myself. That's why I'm such a big fan of building systems and financial foundations that leverage my hashtag very Asian frugal money habits and the more expansive abundance mindset that I strive to embody every day. While sitting at my corporate job feeling like there must be more to life than this, I spent years learning and absorbing information about how to become financially independent, invest in real estate and stocks, and build a business. And now, I'm on track to retire by 40. But more than that, I have the freedom to dress how I want, because how I dress now is certainly not considered professional, adopt unconventional pronouns, and work fewer hours to support my physical and mental health. I get to choose what clients I work with, who I spend time with, and what boundaries I need to set in order to keep the toxic expectations and hustle culture at bay. And I want that for you too. If you're ready to make your next big money move and build the financial foundations you need to feel like you can show up as your full self, I have an offer for you. My generational wealth building money mentorship program is three months of direct access to me and my brain to cut through all of the noise and conflicting information on the internet and get you where you need to be financially. Get a wealth building strategy, action plan, curated resources, and emotional support to put you on the path towards your abundant life. The link is in the show notes. So I finally convinced them. I called them. I was like, hey, this is a thing. You need to do this. And they're like, okay, okay. Do you have someone you recommend? And I was like, well, I wouldn't necessarily recommend the one that I have, especially because I'm in Arizona and there's jurisdiction rules of like, if you are licensed in a particular state to prepare estate plans there. So I said, well, let me go find somebody because I want to vet them. And there is a language barrier there. My parents speak English perfectly fine when they are in the habit of it. But after being retired for a couple of years, honestly, their English has fallen apart. And the Chinese has come back and I find it hilarious because like usually it was one or the other, like one would get really good and then they would have to like stare at each other and be like, how do I write that character again? Um, When they were helping us with Chinese homework. So I decided to screen someone for them and I did. And that's where some of this this context uh, and know-how around like how it works in California specifically comes from. A great professional in any of these areas, tax, accounting, bookkeeping, law, they should all be willing to teach you during your free consultation. If it's a free one, sometimes they make you pay for the consultation and there's that's perfectly valid as well. But they should be teaching you this knowledge. They should be educating you on why something's important and highlighting risks for you and then letting you make the final decision. So I had this call with Carmen and decided, yeah, this person is good. So I sent the information over to my 
mom via email and like, because luckily my parents are tech savvy enough to have email and like set the stage with Carmen about like, hey, so they're English isn't the best, but if you like give them time, like if you send them the email ahead of time, they can go into Google Translate and figure out what it means. Like I'm just worried because like it's legal jargon. So I want them to have the opportunity to to go through all of that. And then of course, like Carmen was like, well, we could also call you in if that's a thing where we need to have translation because Carmen speaks Spanish, but not Mandarin. And I was like, yeah, that's that that might work too. <laughs> Not that my Mandarin is good enough that I would be able to explain law, but I would be able to say it in terms that my parents would understand. Like I would know what they needed to hear in order to make decisions. So I called my mom, I was like, hey, I sent this over. Here's this thing. Like, cause I knew I would still have to convince her. They, they agreed to like let me send a name to them, but I knew that they like to get them to actually schedule something, I would still have to talk to them, right? So I was talking to her about it and she was being very blah about it or like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And like, basically not like I knew she wasn't going to do anything with it because I know myself and like introvert tendencies. And I was like, no, this is not going to happen unless I push harder. So I was in the car driving. So I'm distracted, like watching traffic while I'm talking. So I get a little loud when that happens, especially because over the phone, my, my mom isn't that great with English as it is. And then like it's hard to hear. And I like have like the road noise on top of that. So I get worked up about it, partly because I'm distracted. And my mom is like, why are you so concerned about this? Why is this like such a big deal to you? And I explained how, how probate works and how much it would cost. So the way like the estimate is if they died with assets worth $20 million, 5% of that is a million dollars. And the estate plan only costs $6,000 if they didn't have the rental property. And then because they have the rental property, another five hundred dollars to transfer the property into the trust and do that paperwork for them. So $6,500 versus a million when they pass. I was like, pay it now. Like, I get that I could probably only get you to do this thing one time, but it's not like they don't have that money because I'm talking about them having assets worth $20 million. And that's an estimate, guys. I don't know for sure. But by the time they die, they'll definitely have that that much. I can guarantee that as long as there's not some unexplained or like unexpected accident that happens to shorten their natural lifespan. So I explained like how much it would cost and the work that would be involved and that like Tim wouldn't be allowed to live in the house technically. Like not that, like I swear, again, no one's going to kick him out. But technically, he doesn't have a right to the house because it would be locked up in probate. So I explained that and mom was like, okay, okay, whatever, we'll deal with it. Just send us the information. And I'm going to have to call them again and make sure something happened, right? Like, cause she's going to leave me out of the loop. I'm project managing my parents. But like the fact that like she was so neutral about it or confused about why I was concerned. And I, I legitimately told her, I was like, mom, you know that my brother is not going to do this. I'm going to be the one that has to do it. And I'm in Arizona. So I'm going to have to fly in. I'm going to have to do all this stuff. And like, from a legal standpoint, first of all, never mind the fact that like, then we got to figure out what to do with the property and all the hoarding tendencies with all of the stuff that they've accumulated, like stuff they've brought over from Taiwan and a garage full of things. And it was just like the mind boggling to me how much work that would be without like hiring help to do it, uh, which our frugal tendencies say that we would do it all by ourselves instead of hiring somebody else. Or at least that's like, 
that I'm pretty sure is my family's like mental image of what would happen. And they're, they're right for, to a certain extent, they've got it so ingrained in me, right? That I would want to do a decent amount. But after a certain point, I live in Arizona. Like I can't stay there sifting through all the stuff. So yeah, I'm going to hire somebody to like help sell things from the estate, like do one of those estate sales. And I'm going to hire a estate attorney to handle the probate if they don't hire the estate planner now. So I explained all of that. And then I was like, wait, this contrast is too big. Like, why do I have to explain this to them? Because my mom is on top of all of their finances and all of their legal work with the the rental properties and things like that. Like, she is amazing at this stuff. So why is it that I have to explain this? Like, she knows how to use the internet. She knows how to Google. She knows how to pick up the phone and ask questions and things like that. So I was like, where's this gap coming from? So I thought, okay, wait. How does inheritance work in Taiwan? How did it work when my grandmother passed away and I was there when my mom was like negotiating to have like money set aside for my wedding? How did any of that work? Because I saw like the conversations, but I didn't see any paperwork. So I asked, I was like, what is this? Like, how does this look in Taiwan? And she was like, oh, well, first of all, my sister-in-law took care of it. And my mom is, my mom is the fourth of five children. So yeah, it wouldn't have fallen to her anyway. Like she's not even the oldest son. So it wasn't ever going to be her problem, even if there was like all of this um, stuff that we have in the States related to estate planning and like probate and all of that good stuff. But it wasn't ever going to be her responsibility. So she didn't think about it for her parents. Uh, Her sister-in-law took care of it. And my mom's explanation was that when my grandmother had her stroke, she was in the hospital for months, just comatose, uh, which was enough time for her and I to come back from my cousin's wedding in France and pack up and go back out to Taiwan for her to go in and attend the funeral and grieve and, and say her final goodbyes. And while my grandmother was in the hospital in Taiwan, they don't use wet signatures to sign for things like legal documents or anything similar. It's a similar thing in Japan as well. They use name chops or like their name stamps that have your characters engraved in them in either wood or stone. And then you get red ink and you you stamp it onto legal documents and that's how you sign off on legal documents. And I think in Taiwan, it's just the one because my mom got me one uh, when I was in college and I, I love it to death. And in Japan, they have multiple kinds because they have like the casual ones for when you are accepting packages that they use their stamp for. And then they have one for like more important documents like marriages and other big legal things. So in Taiwan, what it was is like, even though my grandmother technically couldn't sign something because they had access to her name stamp, they just stamped all the documents to transfer wealth around in the family And that took care of it. So they didn't have to deal with any legal system. And there isn't one in Taiwan. There's no probate. There's no wills. There's no estate planning or trusts or anything like that. So all of these are like American concepts that are completely foreign to my parents. And that's how I was like, oh, wait, this is why there's such a gap. This is why there's tension here is because I never thought to ask, like, what was this like for you growing up? Like, what is the like... We grow up in the States and like concept of wills is like in our media. We, we have like shows about how like parents when they're on their deathbed are trying to decide which kid is going to like inherit the business or take over the business or whatever. Like 
these are part of the media that we grow up with. But it's not the case for my parents, at least not in Taiwan. And I don't know what it looks like in other countries. For them, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't inundated to them. That was just like a natural progression of wealth getting passed around. Like even my grandmother now on my dad's side, she's already transferred all her wealth around to her kids. So when she passes and she's 90 and she's got cancer now, my parents aren't worried about that. There's nothing to worry about. The place that my grandmother lives in is actually owned by my uncle. So there's nothing to do from a paperwork standpoint. So that's where this gap is coming from. And I wanted to share that not only knowledge about estate planning in general, go find your own estate planner, go look up like there, there are also packages that some estate planners do like DIY educational things for you. And there in some states you can handwrite your will. And as long as you sign it by hand and write out the whole thing, it's valid. First of all, you need to know that for yourself. But if you have a similar conflict with your parents about how they're handling their estate plan, I encourage you to ask what it was like for them in their country or what they knew about it growing up. And that may help you gain the perspective and the patience that you need to manage this differently and not have um, the screaming fights that I would otherwise have with my parents around things like this. So have you asked your parents about it? Are you talking to them about it at all? And what else? culturally or gap-wise, are you angry or confused about of how your family operates that you haven't asked about? Because if you find yourself getting frustrated, I highly encourage you to ask what it was like when they were growing up or where they were growing up or both and see if that isn't something, some context you needed to get you to a better place in your relationship and heal that relationship with your family. I know that something in this episode left you feeling, oh my God, that's so me. And I want to hear about it. Leave a review on iTunes or tag me on social media and share your relatable story with us so that we can normalize our experiences as Asian Americans and help more people feel safe to step outside of the box. I can't wait to hear about it. You can find me on Instagram at tj.wey and don't forget to design your abundant life.